one two pitch. Red Sox win the World Series. This time Manning going deep for Beckham Jr. Did he catch it? He did. Hello there, everybody. And welcome back to another episode of the Between Two Gardens program. It is the podcast where we debate the biggest sports topics of the week from both sides of the greatest city rivalry in the history of sports. Sitting across from me in the blue corner, as always, representing the garden that sits on top of Penn Station and all things New York City, we have Tom Arduino. What's up? And back over here in the red corner, Representing the garden that sits on top of North Station and the 21st century sports mecca of the United States of America. My name is Dan Emmons. That's Tom Arduino. And let's get rolling on another edition of B2G. How are we doing, Tommy? You know, we're we're doing all right, considering the events of last night. Um, but could be better for sure. What uh, What happened last night? I thought the Rangers had a home game and we're looking to take a commanding series lead. Yeah, no, lost, no less. Yeah, they played like dog shit. Mm, it happens. Mm-hmm. Skates, I mean, they, they looked like they were skating in mud the entire game. They they were just a, three steps slower than the Devils the entire night. I mean, I uh, I watched the whole game myself, and if we want to launch right into it, I I am down to talk about this game because this it's game four between mind. the game four between the Rangers and the Devils was unlike anything I've seen in these playoffs so far. And honestly, like a pretty retro game all around. Like it was, it was very, very unique. I don't think there's been a, a team that's won a playoff game in the way that the devils did last night in game four of Rangers devils. As you're listening to this probably a day or two later, but that was some game, man. Like it, it seemed like coming into it, the Rangers coming off a loss. They have home game. Number two, they have a chance to go up 3-1 against a team that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they should be fairly competently rolling over. Like I said in my preview of this playoff, I think that the Rangers are in a totally different weight class than the Devils, as good as the Devils are. But, I mean, overall, they, they did they did finish a higher seed than us. They are the, They are the higher seed in this matchup. That's true. And they did, you know, those those regular season matchups kind of speak for themselves. But and that that's not to discredit the Devils like that's just for me as an outside third party. I, I think the the weight of the punches that the Rangers can throw, I don't think it's in the same class as the Devils. Um, I but the Devils last night showing you how they kind of, I guess, knew that coming in and are finding ways to win hockey games regardless. Yeah, I think the Devils did a really good job last night of adjusting um, because this game four was a completely different tone than all three of the games. Game one and two, you know, the Rangers dominated. Yeah. Um, game three was pretty much a toss up in either direction that got decided in overtime. I thought the Rangers played game three. Uh, I thought there was a little bit to be desired, but it wasn't absolute terrible. Um. And then last night was just un- unacceptable for a, for a playoff uh, game at home coming off of a loss. No, there's just no way else to put it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's worst. It's still an even series, you know? So I think what happened, what has to happen now is this, they need to, I believe we have an extra 
day of rest. The ne- next game is is the next game Thursday? I think yep. it might be Friday. Oh, it's Thursday. I think it, I think it might. I think it is Thursday. Thursday. Oh well, um, Thursday. Oh, Thursday gives us the extra day of rest anyway. So yep. we have two. We have two days off in between. Um, Thursday night in Newark tonight. As you're listening to this. Yep. Um, I think, you know, obviously adjustments need to be made on the Rangers part. I think they will be made. Um, Gallant is not shy of making adjustments where he needs to. Um, I think this team is capable of getting creative where they need to. I think it kind of just one, they were slow. Yes. They didn't, they didn't really get any bounces last night. Pucks were going over their sticks just you know that happens that's hockey the 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 devils had uh, like a really fortunate sequence with the the, with the first goal um that kind of just like fell in their lap um and you know that'll start coming in our direction but they gotta i think they the rangers have a tendency to get a little stale um sure especially on the power play um you know, last year when the power play was one of the top power plays, if not the top power play in the league, um, it seems like they could score on you in a million different ways. Yeah. And right now it seems like the only way they can score is with Kreider in front on a deflection. And you have Zabanajad, Panarin, Kane, and Fox all on that power play, all guys who can score from anywhere on the ice. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. I, I, I think it's the devils have. It's hard to explain what's going on there, but um, the Devils seem to have, you know, come up with a good defense for the Rangers strategy, both on the power play and even strength last night. Um, oh, I can explain it. And, and I'm yeah, very excited to uh, explain it in a minute when and, you finish. And, and I'll, I'll let you get into that. Um but you know now it's our time to counter, and we need to figure out what's that, um, what that is going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. But what it should look like is uh, Mika needs to be more visible. I need a few Mika one timers in my life. I don't know where those have went. And th- those are probably the, one of the most arousing things that this Ranger team can do, and they've been gone. I don't even. I don't. I'm not even sure. If if I could give all the credit to the Devils on that, you know, but like, you got to find a way to get your players those shots. You know, if Ovi can just stand sure. in that circle and and eat, there's no reason that we can't. Um, yeah. You know, um, and then also, uh, you know, Panarin hasn't really. I don't. He doesn't have a goal in this series. I don't think there were a lot of goals in Game One and Game Two, but I don't think he had any of them. Um, He's had a lot of apples. He's shooting the puck, but, you know, and he's gotten a few good good looks. He's missed the net a few times, but I'm confident those will start to find its way in. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a three-game series now. So, it, you know, it's a best of three. Go at it. And this Ranger team plays good on the road, so we'll see. Maybe that'll bode well for us. Seems to be the only place you play well so far. MSG South, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, what? Ten miles south. Yeah. It, yeah. So, south um, by like two equatorial degrees, like mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there there were a lot of Ranger fans pressing the panic button after um, game three loss, 
which didn't really seem uh, super, super warranted there. I mean, we, no. lo- we lost on an overtime look. Those those games are 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens. We were already up 2-1 after that game. Um, you just got to come out and respond. They didn't. But listen, we did ourselves a favor and, and uh, bought ourselves a little bit of slack. And so now if we come out and win tomorrow, or sorry, win on Thursday, um, you know, all is forgiven type thing. And then just go out there and, and finish the job. But I, I, I think it's, um, that was, a, that was a good wake up call last night. Sure. Wish we, wish we didn't have to live through it and, and get a wake up call, but uh, credit to the devils for for adjusting and and you know you can talk about those adjustments now listen as a as someone who just went through uh two games ago now a uh very severe at home wake up call in the first round of the playoffs in game 2 against the panthers it is necessary at times uh especially for teams that are kind of just even before the playoffs even started, given kind of like a pass to the conference finals, like you and I's both of our teams kind of have been, uh, it's you do need a reminder that winning a Stanley Cup is hard every once in a while. I think fans too, fans mm-hmm. maybe even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get back to the actual game last night, Game Four, Rangers Devils, because as I watched, I watched every minute of this game because I, as I've said before on this podcast i love this fucking rivalry and now that after game three made this a series i am in for every second of the rest of this series yeah what i saw last night made me happy not just as a ranger hater but as a y2k hockey fan and i'm going to tell you why so growing up in the early mid-2000s uh, as we've discussed, discussed many times on this podcast, Marty Brodeur was my guy. So I watched a lot of games of the championship winning trap devils. And what I saw last night with the Rangers devils matchup, the Rangers having all the firepower, the devils really only having a response in the form of game planning and a few good guys. Like that, that was this series coming in. If the Devils were going to win this series, they were going to have to do it through strategy, not just outgunning the Rangers. And what I saw from the Devils last night was something that they tried to do in the first two games and didn't get it effectively. Something that I think they started to do the previous game, but didn't really do it terribly effectively either, even though they won. It took them overtime. But this was the game where it clicked. The New Jersey Devils are back to controlling the neutral zone like a fascist regime. And seeing that brought me back to the, you know, 02, 03 Devils that were absolutely patrolling the neutral zone, playing good defense, hitting, uh, snuffing out passes before you even looked up to make them. Um, Just nipping everything in the bud before it even got over the blue line. And seeing that brand of hockey, just that absolute like Zen focused. I texted this to you last night, that level of like Zen focus. We are going to protect our net and take the opportunities the other way when they're given. But our primary goal is to keep the puck out of our own net. Watching that work, not only be implemented, but be properly executed against a high caliber offensive team 
was like it, it was a masterclass. It's something that not a lot of teams are doing anymore. Well, and I mean, I te- it works. It, 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 you know, it did we, work. We, yeah. We've had trouble against the Islanders because that's what they run. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Islanders went on an unexpected run two years ago, maybe three years ago. I'm thinking uh, when they lost the Lightning in the Stanley uh, Cup Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, I believe, Dallas ran a trap system when they made it to the Cup Finals that year. They did. Um, it seems like it's a good strategy for playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, giving credit to the Devils for, for deploying that. Is it unbeatable? No. And of course now that now that the cat's out of their out of the bag, I think you're going to see a, a Ranger team that's more prepared for uh, countering that trap. So um, it's like you said, it, this series is, you know, the rivalry in, and you're, you're all in on watching every minute from, from here on out. I think just that alone, and it's all like accumulated into this being a tight, tight series that this is going to be really cool to see how the Rangers um, counter. And yeah. uh, we're in for some electric hockey in game five, six, and possibly seven. Also, not to be understated in all this, I think is the fact that the Devils are riding the power of friendship that you only get from a young, hot goalie who's not supposed to be this good, Mm -hmm. which is something that carried you guys for a few seasons. I feel like Chesty is now just a universally accepted top two, top three goaltender in the NHL. He's not yeah. really he doesn't give you that power of friendship anymore, even when he does play out of his mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, what the jolt that Akira Schmidt has given to the New Jersey Devils, I think, can't be understated either. And if you look at what both teams have going for them, the Devils are a team that has a great defensive game plan. They have that pixie dust of a young, hot goalie. They have I mean, they they see you guys all the time. They have the tape. You guys are rivals. You don't like each other. Like, if you look at what the the rosters don't compare, in my opinion. But if you look at the list of what the Devils have going for them, and you pick those things one by one, each one of those things are things that can push a team over the edge to win a series that they had no business winning and make a deeper playoff run than anybody ever expected them to. So do I think it'll happen? Still, no. I still think the Rangers win this series. But man, at, the longer this series is going, the more like it feels like the Devils are kind of just charging their spirit bomb, like like in Dragon Ball Z. Like they have all this like semi-superstitious, but also like the things that give you an advantage in a long playoff series going towards them. And... I, I think the biggest one was was channeling their their vintage devils, channeling their twenty years ago devils. I mean, the the system that brought them three Stanley Cups in eight years. Like, I I don't know anymore, man. Like, I I didn't think the Devils were going to be able to piece it together like this. And now that it's going back to going back to New Jersey, I'm fully anticipating the Rangers to just dismantle them and win five to one again and go up three two and probably not relinquish the lead. But for now. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I think we're definitely in for an in between of what we've seen so far. And Mm -hmm. that is a formula for really entertaining, albeit very stressful, having being a stakeholder in this series. Mm -hmm. Playoff hockey. 
Absolutely. All right, so we are going to move on to another game four that transpired this week. This one was on this past Sunday. Uh, we don't get another Bruins game until, as you're listening to this yesterday. So as you're listening to this, uh, game number five will be in the books. But for now, we're going to talk about game four. Uh, the Boston Bruins just getting that return to form that they truly needed in this Panther series and showing how much investing in that depth over the course of the season for the Bruins has paid off. I mean, it, it seemed like Sunday was a hundred percent depth scoring. I mean, you have Taylor Hall having a four point game. Like he, he, he looked like he was heart trophy, Taylor Hart again, or Taylor Hall again in, in this last series. But it, it's, it, that was the gritty win, the gritty, I believe it was six to two, the final score, the gritty dominant win in the ways that you've been able to squeak games out over the course of the year, even when the primary scoring isn't there and the guys who primarily butter your bread aren't going out and dominating. This is what this Bruins team is made of. And if they can keep this up, along with getting these pieces like Krejci and Bergeron back, to give you some more production on the front end and hopefully Pasternak waking up a little bit on the front end too. He's getting a little bit too cute with the puck and getting a little invisible himself out there the last two games. Um, the, this, this is the, the Bruins team we signed up for the one that if we're down in one department, we're going to step up in another and we're going to find a way to beat you. So has Bergeron played yet this series? Bergeron did not travel. No, he uh, he's, not he's eyeing now. tomorrow for a return. Okay. Yep. What I love now, listen, what I ideally would love is if you can go out and first off, I, I would not play Bergeron or Krejci in game five. And I'm going to tell you why. If you can say we believe in the rest of this core enough to go out and win game five at home and close out this series, You've effectively bought Bergeron and Krejci a full week of uninterrupted rest to get 100% for what now seems to be, uh, I mean, the Leafs are up 3-1 against the Lightning, so it looks like you're going to have maybe your biggest test of the playoffs in round two against the Maple Leafs. Um, If you can take that gamble and rest those guys and still go out and win in game five, that is best case scenario. Now, there's not a ton of downside. Because you have the 3-1 lead. If you go out and you don't play Bergeron and Krejci in Game 5, you lose, the series goes back to Tampa, they not only have gotten some extra rest and can come back then, but you have the insurance policy of, we can put Krejci and Bergeron back in this lineup and we only need to win one out of two. What, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Um. So I think I have to... What my my initial thought without any other context is that that is, I think, playing with fire a little bit. I see that. Um, you know, it's not without risk. Yeah, that's I, for I, sure. I, you know, like I feel like we see this a lot of the time in baseball with starters. It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna push Cole out an extra day so we get him for game one of the next series, for example. It's like, yeah, but what yeah. if we don't win this series? Yeah, you and know, that you that know, rarely works out. You are right. You, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. like, I it, it kind of has that vein with me. And uh, playing for next, tomorrow next, does next, have a next, a funny way of coming around and biting you. Yeah, I, I it, no, that. it really it really does. Um, and also he's out for a stomach bug, correct? No, uh, 
So Krejci is still dealing with the the stomach issues. Bergeron, I don't know if you've seen this. It's been like a pretty big story. Bergeron got injured in game 82. Yes, he did. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Which first off, at first glance, you say, why was he playing in game 82? Which, very reasonable. The reason he was playing in game 82, something that literally nobody knew at the time, Patrice Bergeron's dad has cancer. Patrice Bergeron from Quebec wanted to go out and play in front of his dad at his home for probably the last time. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's a person on earth that could fault him for that. Um, but looking at it Damn. from a, you uh, what was that? Uh, just like a little fly went by trying to swat did it get, up. Did you get him? The, uh, I, no, I just kind of pushed him away. It's just like a little, I don't even think it's a fly. It's just like a little moth thing. I'll, I'll get him later. He's been a moth me for a little while. Tiny little like loft, moth, like mutter, butterfly guy. Hmm. Where? Yeah. He's not hurt. We're, we're fine. Okay, cool. Well, uh, story developing. Keep an eye out. I, I, I did not know uh, that was the reason for Bergeron playing in 82. And I did know he was yep. injured. I just, uh, for, I forgot based on our talks last episode that I, I thought it was the stomach bug issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I have read some comments about people's opinions on Twitter about him playing in game 82 and with the context of why he did play in that game for his father, those people I would say look like assholes. <laughs> but Yeah. But that's not something you can hold against somebody if they didn't know, you know what I mean? Because like it is an objectively fair. bad I, decision. If there I have were no, no idea. outside forces, I have no idea if those people did know, oh. um, are you there know, people out there but, who who knew the rationale being like he you should have kept him on the bench anyway? That's a good question. That's a good as question. Far, as far as I know, those people don't exist. But I mean, maybe I'm giving uh, humanity too much of a benefit of a doubt, as as I have been known to do. And they uh, uh, that rarely goes uh, well. So yeah. I, I guess I, I mean with the whole Bergeron thing, I would say given the way hockey is and the way hockey players are, if Bergeron wants to go out and play for his father for one last time, go out there and play for your father. Right. Um, exactly. You know, baseball, basketball, football are much different in that regard. Um, and even in those sports where resting is much more um, acceptable or commonplace, I would, I would still say like, It'd be hard for me as a coach to deny that from my player. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if you really can. Like you know, uh, I don't think you can, especially a player of Bergeron's stature and importance to Boston and the franchise. So, you know, it's unfortunate what happened, obviously. But yeah, of course. You can't really with with that added context of the uh his father involved, you can't really fault anybody here, in my opinion. No. Of, of course not. I, I, I don't think you can either. But um, I mean, it is what it is at this point. It's um, I, I could see Jim Montgomery going either way if Bergeron is ready to play tomorrow night. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer here. I, I think either way you can really justify it with some really good reasons. Um, but I, at the end of the day, it's uh getting to the Stanley cup is a, uh, an absolute marathon and you do have to make some compromises along the way. If you want to be built to go to the distance for sure. Um, but I mean, that was the, that was the Bruins team we were looking for. 
we have game two on Wednesday as we're recording this yesterday, as you're listening to this, uh, hopefully as you're listening to this, the Bruins have, uh, cleaned up the series and are, uh, waiting on either the Tampa Bay lightning or the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round. Uh, but we will see, we'll have two more games, uh, by the time you're listening to this to, uh, to kind of gauge where these series are headed next. Um, Let's see what else do we have this week, Tom? We got a little uh got a little NFL draft in our uh in our near future here. So it's tonight as you're listening to it. Uh the first round of the NFL draft is gonna be tonight, Thursday, the 27th. Um Tom, would you say how how important of a draft would you say this is for the Giants? Because I honestly have no idea. Uh it's a big one, I think, because you know, we retooled a little bit on the offense and went out and got Waller. We showed last year that the team is this is a playoff team. Sure. Uh Daniel Jones is a QB that can be built around. Um so it's go time. It's this is a huge this is a huge draft. I'm I'm looking at it as um like how the Saints retooled a few years ago on the fly for Drew mm-hmm. around Drew Brees with uh drafting Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore um, or Marcus Lattimore, Marshawn. Marcus is the the running back. Um, I'm talking about the cornerback. Um, And basically they went from, you know, a kind of a a bottom team, mid mid dweller, nothing really to like, oh shit, this team can go out and win a Super Bowl now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I think that's the next step that this team is trying to make the, you know, they made the playoffs already. Now it's time to see really how far we can go. um, When we have some firepower around our core players. So um, for the giants, particularly, I'm kind of looking for them to target uh, a receiver. If there's one there, this seems like it's a pretty decent receiver draft. Mm -hmm. Um, I like a few of the guys out of Ohio state. Um, and you know, the typical offensive lineman, defensive line we've needed, um, or even like a corner. So like any, any defensive help or offensive help really that could help this team is, is well, welcome. Sure. Um, I know it's pretty vague, but that's, that's pretty much like what the giants need right now. Um, it's just, you know, fill the holes as much as possible and let's get rocking and rolling. Now, obviously we have a long way until our, our football preview show and making our predictions for the season and everything. But I, I guess just first, first impressions, just interested because you kind of mentioned last year they made the playoffs. Now it's time for the next step. What should the goal for the Giants this year be? What, what, like when, when Dable gets the guys together, for the first team meeting with the new draftees. What, what is he telling them? Like we're, we're in this situation where we've proven we're a playoff team, but we are nowhere near the class of the NFC. So what, what do you, what do you say to those guys? Mm. Well, I, I think the sentiment is a pretty easy one. I think it's, it's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, like what, 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 what's sexy about selling a team on like, Guys, our goal this year, we're gonna we're gonna make it to the second round. Sure. That's our that's our end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine as like a sub goal or if we're like or you know, to to build up to it. But I think this is a team that is is capable. The the NFC is pretty wide open. 
you know, sure. I, 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 I'd, I'd argue that this team is could be better than Dallas this year. Um, you know, maybe, already... I, maybe I phrased that wrong because as as a coach, you're obviously pretty much going into the locker room and say, I believe. But what are what are the realistic expectations for the Giants? Maybe what what, what are asking? you going to be? What are you going to be happy with with the Giants this year? Um, I want to see them. I want to see them competing consistently with above average to the elite teams of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think last year they benefited a lot from a easy schedule. Sure. And I think that they dropped a few games they shouldn't have. Um, but, you know, we were still 0-2 against Philly. We were still 0-2 against Dallas. Um, I want to see that change. I want to see a Dallas W. I want to see a Philly W. Um, I think you're going to get both of those this year. For what that's going to be, I, I really hope so. I think that um, but, facade but, has, has softened a but, bit at this point. Yeah, but that is the first step to seeing where this team can go and adding those weapons that can help now um, are uh, on top of the weapons that we already have or in the pieces that we already have in-house. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's the first step. Sure. Now, let's see. If we if we move on over to my team, first off, pertinent to my team. Can, um, yeah, can we? I think you're getting to it, but go ahead. Yeah, we we got to talk. Yeah, ha, we got to we got to talk about how the uh, the landscape of the AFC East has has changed this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so your arch nemesis is now in division. My arch nemesis. Yeah, I would. I I don't know if there's anyone in football you hate more. Maybe Rodgers, maybe, maybe Mahomes. I don't hate Mahomes. You've you've trashed uh, Rodgers a few times on this podcast. Yeah, I think Rodgers is a queen and a drama act at this point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the dude, I mean, not nowhere near where he was in his prime, but the dude can still ball. Um, I, I mean, are are the New York Jets significantly better today than they were last week? I mean, absolutely. I don't think anybody would argue with that. But it, it just seemed like something of an odd move to... I mean, they didn't give up terribly much. They they swapped their first-round picks and basically gave up two more seconds for him. Um, which, I mean, for, let's say, two years of Aaron Rodgers? Do you, do you anticipate Rodgers staying in New York or in the NFL after this year? Let me just ask that off the top. Um, I, I think if they have a good season, yeah, I think if it's a shit show, he might, I don't even know the details. Is he under just a one-year contract? Like, I don't, I don't even know. I just know that he's a jet and there were some picks swapped. I I don't know much Mm -hmm. other than that. I think his contract is through at least the end of next year, but he he can pull the retirement card at any time. I, I can see him playing multiple seasons. Yes. I don't okay. think that's I don't think that's a, a far fetched thing. So let's say you get two years of Aaron Rodgers out of that. I mean, the the way that this team has spent their first round picks over the years, I think if you look at the products that they've been spending that draft capital on, I mean, this is an amazing deal for them. Um, 
However, I mean, the, the reaction was like pretty lukewarm throughout the NFL world. Like a lot of people saying that that was too much for, you know, this version of Aaron Rodgers. Um, personally, if I'm the Jets, that's a deal I make every day of the week. You've had yeah. two, you've had two good quarterbacks in your entire history. Like the, you gotta take, you gotta have a shot at something at some people, point. The people saying that was too much have not, did not watch Jets football last year with Zach Wilson as their QB. Cause they were a pretty decent football team mm-hmm. for not making the playoffs last year. And had they had a, a competent QB, not even a competent, an average QB, they would have made yeah. the playoffs. Which like they Zach did Wilson when they was benched, the worst. They benched him. He was the worst QB in football last year. Like it, it wasn't even it wasn't even close. Yes. And that team was like a, a what were they seven and eight? Yeah. Or, or seven mean, and nine. So, something actually, like that. You know, like I I don't know. It, it's it, I I don't see how you can say that that's a bad deal. I mean, they didn't even give up. They swapped first round picks. The Jets got a better pick. Or no, sorry, the Packers got the better pick. Packers got the better pick. Yeah. Packers got the better pick by like two picks. Mm-hmm. And then there, you didn't even give up a first round pick, and it's a and it's a conditional. So it's it's it, yep. if Rodgers plays, so you're you're building in a little bit if he gets hurt to where he has to play 65% of the snaps and you don't have to give up that first. I think that's good. Um I don't I don't know. I I'd be upset if I were the Packers for not getting a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. Personally, I don't that's the way it is. But I know that NFL trades are just wacky as hell. And I mean, the trade market does not make any sense anymore. No, because there's and there's no precedent for anything. Because, you know, some receivers go and they don't get a single first round pick and then others go and they do. And and mm-hmm. but the other guy who got the first round pick isn't better than the other guy. So it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and. Like. I think Packers fans or. Uh, people who aren't in favor of the Jets. thing, I, I would say you could have gave up a lot more. For I agree some, for something that seemed like it was like a done deal before they were even negotiating it. It seemed like he just wanted out. I mean, um, it, and they traded away like, like Lazar, uh, Lazard left. Um, mm-hmm. And they had no weapons for him anyway. So I, I don't think he was ever staying in, in green Bay anyway. So be happy. You got compensation for him. This was one of the weirder deals, even if it was in like a regular NFL, you know, trade market where things relatively made sense. Uh, very rarely do you go to a negotiation table and uh, neither side has any leverage. L- literally, neither side had one ounce of leverage. It's a great point. Like, how often do you see that? Like, it- it's R- Rogers needed the Jets right. as much as the Jets needed Rogers. The Packers have been pussyfooting around trading Rodgers for years they clearly like have some emotional attachment but also no emotional attachment because they're shopping him every year mm-hmm. like it's just a very weird situation between two incompetent front offices straight up mm-hmm. um v- and, very and, strange and you and you see all of that through what that deal was it's pretty even on both sides and so, like, obviously, neither team had leverage. They were just, you know, the perfect dancing partners to match up with. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that's what you see. So I I understand people are going to complain because people like to complain. Um, mm-hmm. but in my eyes, this is pretty a pretty fair deal, and there's you're really um, um, grasping at straws here. If if you have a problem with the Jets moving down two picks in the in the first round, again, like for you're a talk- Hall of Fame quarterback, you're talking about a franchise who has had two even good quarterbacks in their entire history. Like right. I I don't feel like any price was really. Well, there were certainly some prices that were too high. You have a lot of young talent that's going to be foundational moving forward. But like, uh, no, and it, I don't. It's not like it's not like the Jets should be playing hardball here. Like, right. I don't. I don't know of there being any Jets fans that objected to this trade. But for the voices out there that probably don't like it, um, you just drafted a stud corner and Sauce Gardner. You seem to have something really good in Garrett Wilson, a receiver. You just signed Lazard. Mm-hmm. Again, you, you, it's a conditional first-round pick. What are you complaining about exactly here? It's I don't just, think these people I, exist, Tom. I don't think so either. But I'm just like talking about it in terms of the the opposition of this of this trade. But if you're a Jets fan and you're upset about this, I, I don't think you really exist, but just in case you do. I I literally I quite literally think you're shouting into the void here because every Jet fan I know had the trade up on their Instagram story within like five minutes. I don't think anybody's uh, upset about acquiring Aaron Rodgers. The way way we framed it was that 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 there was like opposition to to that they gave up too much. But that was you're saying that was more on the Packers side. Totally. Got it. Totally. Got it. Um, Well, moving past that and on to where this leaves the Patriots. So the Patriots, in my opinion, have made uh, their their biggest offseason move, which is bringing in Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator. I think that's going to do more for this team than any other personnel change they could have made this this offseason at all, uh, with the exception of maybe adding Lamar Jackson, which, um, you know, seemed like a possibility for a minute, but I not not really anymore. Now it's time to give Billy O a couple new toys to play with. Uh, there there have been news reports that Bill O'Brien is revamping this offense, which why you'd expect anything else, I, I don't really know. But he is revamping this offense from the ground up, giving it a new look and utilizing uh, every player on this offense in a different way. I have been shouting at Bill since they drafted Mac that you need to get him a number one and a competent offensive coordinator to see what you really have in him. Uh, it's something that no, literally no rookie quarterback in the NFL has succeeded without. And every quarterback who has succeeded has had those things. They've had someone on the team who is offensive minded and, you know, a a best friend to kind of rely on out there. So in in this draft, the, the reports have come out that Tom's looking at the moth again in this draft. There have been reports that have come out that the Patriots are eyeing wide receivers in this draft, as they should. There are some really good options in this year's draft that I think you could get at. Um, I believe we're picking 13. I want to say we are somewhere in the as we always are since Brady left. We are somewhere the in mid. that weird 13 to 17 range. Yeah. Um, but the the biggest names at wide receiver that have been linked to the Patriots so far are JSN from Ohio State. 
And just in the last week or two, there have been some rumblings that the Patriots have been eyeing down uh, from Boston College, Zay Flowers. Uh, two very highly rated. Uh, I'm looking at um, NFLDraftBuzz.com. They both have they have Zay Flowers rated at an 87.1 and JSN at an 89.4. So these are among the the highest rated receivers in the draft. The only person above JSN is Quentin Johnson out of TCU, who's in at 89.5, uh, an overall uh, evaluation rating. So these are some of the best receivers in the draft. These are guys that have potential to come out and be number ones. Uh, personally, I, I am leaning toward JSN. I think he's a guy that is a little bit more established and can really step into that role on day one, which, I mean, time is a waste on utilizing Mac and figuring out what, what he really has in the tank. And I, I've literally said this about Mac since the day he got drafted. And here we are, you know, three years later. And I'm still saying, if you want to have an accurate picture of what you have in Mac Jones as your quarterback for the next 15 years, you need to get him a number one and you need to get him somebody who can run a 21st century offense on the sideline. The Pats have done one of two. They have an opportunity to do two of two in this draft. And if we go out and do that right and we don't take a fucking guard in the first round like we did last year, uh, who turned out to not even be a particularly good guard, uh, I thought Bill would at least do his due diligence and find us a diamond in the rough if he was going to take a guard at 15. But, you know, he he's the football genius and I'm not, I guess. Um, but this is the year you go out and you actually add some actually add some octane to your offense and uh, give give Bill O'Brien something to work with here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on JSN. I'd be ecstatic if the Giants get him. We're at 25, I think we're picking. That's fucked up, man. The New York Giants um, are picking at 25. But, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, the New York I Giants are I near could, the back of the line. That is it, banana land. I think I think if uh, this front office and uh, with Dable involved as well, they seem to like who they like. And mm -hmm. if they really like JSN, I see them making a move on draft day to to move up to get him because I think he'll for sure be gone by 25. Um, no doubt. You know, he it potentially might not even be there for you guys at 13. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. But I, I think he's going to be a stud. Sure. Um. All right, man. Well, we, we talked some draft. We talked some way too early football previews. We talked about how this draft is going to shape both of our teams. And uh, this week we have some more games to look forward to hockey wise. Uh, the Celtics are going for the uh, going for the series win tonight at home as we're recording this on Tuesday against the Hawks. Uh, so hopefully they can close it out at home, as can the Bruins on Wednesday. I would love for both of these series to be over 48 hours from now at the garden in the good atmosphere relish the good vibes before you move on to around two in both cases that is going to be a lot more challenging um but tommy you got anything else for people before we hang it up for the week um chris sales back oh yeah we gotta we gotta briefly <laughs> talk about that listen nobody said Chris Sale is back. Nobody said you are going to have. Oh, we got to no. roll the tape. No, we got to roll the tape on that. Listen to me, dickhead. 
nobody said Chris Sale is back and that like there's nothing else to worry about. Like vintage Chris Sale is back. Look at the fastball. Look at the slider. Like look at the ball movement. It's all it's cherries from here. He's the front of the rotation ace again. Like nobody worry about anything. What I said last week was that it was good to see that psycho Chris Sale still exists, which we didn't know prior to last week. I was happy enough with that. I was happy enough to know that that guy could even surface at any point nowadays ever. Uh, as always, it, it's a patience game with Chris Sale. He's still he's still on his, what, I believe, fourth or fifth start since 2019. Uh, there's still going to be some kinks in the road, but he, that that victory of seeing that that guy even still exists, even if, you know, he was still having some trouble out there on the mound in this last series. That That's all I said. And you just drawing your own conclusions on Twitter going, oh, I was told Chris Sale was back. And then Nicantino liking it, of course, a guy who's equally as critical and good at critical thinking as you are, clearly. It's tough. It's... Uh, listen, it, it's hurt. Hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. You know, exactly. I, I there, there was a lot going on last night. Mm-hmm. Checking the box scores during the Ranger game, and it was just too good to pass up. I don't blame you. I I, I can't say I blame you. Um, <laughs> but he he exists. He'll be back at some point, hopefully consistently by like the middle of the summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna say middle of the summer to see if Psycho Chris Sale can come back with any regularity. Uh, but. As always, it's baby steps with him, and we take W's as they come. But for now, we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Between Two Gardens program. We got to some good stuff this week. We did. Uh, We touched a lot of stuff. We did. We did. Um, If you haven't gone ahead and followed us on Spotify, if you're listening to this on Spotify, Tom is looking at the moth again. Is it right in front of you again? Dan, Dan, he came right here. Oh, I saw that. I saw, like, you're, like, you had... I know cat eyes is like an expression, mm-hmm. but like you literally had like the eyes of a cat that like sees a squirrel. Yeah, I like outside. lit up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So while Tom figures out this moth situation, if you haven't gone ahead and followed us on Spotify, if you haven't given us five stars on iTunes, if you're listening to us on there, if you haven't followed us on Twitter and Instagram at Between Two Gardens on Twitter at Between Two Gardens Pod on Instagram, that all helps so much. If you haven't told a friend about us, if you're listening to us on a regular basis and you haven't told your best friend about the B2G program, that shit helps way more than you know as well. But for now, I'm Dan. That's Tom. We got a lot more to watch this week, and we will catch you next time. Here comes a one-two pitch. Red Sox win the World Series. This time, Manny.